Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 255. Today, we are talking about books we can't stop reading, a new edition for 2023. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone once again that we have some great content over on our Patreon channel. Every month, we release an extra episode on Patreon. This month is our discussion of the adaptation of Don DeLillo's White Noise which came out just this past year, starring Adam Driver and Greta Gerwig. And yeah, we have all kinds of thoughts about that one. So you can hop over to patreon.com slash unabridgedpod to find out more about how to join for a very small cost per month. You can get an extra episode of us chatting about all kinds of things. All right, to get today's episode started, we're going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? So one of the things I'm reading now is Elizabeth Lim's The Dragon's Promise. So longtime listeners will remember that I talked about Six Crimson Cranes, which is the first in this series. Back a while ago, I absolutely loved that one. It was one of my favorite reads of the year. I felt like it is a great fantasy story. And I just I hadn't read any of Lim's work. So I've heard good things about her other books and her other series. But she was new to me with the with that book, and I had been eager to revisit. And all of you who have been listening this year or reading on the blog know that I am totally right now in a groove of re- going back to all the series I haven't finished and finishing them or reading what else has been published by them. And that's been really fun and something that I've enjoyed doing. So this one I had on hold for a while, and I did have that experience where I started reading it and then did not finish in the amount of time that was allotted and then had the (laughs) tragic misfortune of having to give it up for a little while and then get it back. But fortunately, I had reached kind of a pausing point. So I started this one a while ago, and now I'm back to it because my hold came back around. Nice. (laughs) So this is about Princess Shiori. And I don't want to say too much about book two, but I would just say that in the beginning, in the first book in the series, it opens with her, there's a, a betrothal ceremony. So she's going to be betrothed to someone and she is very opposed to this situation. And she's very headstrong and determined and doesn't want that to happen. And then right about that time also, she kind of discovers that she has this magic within herself that she was unaware of prior. And so that opens up in the first book and quickly things come about from there. And what I really love about the series is it's got a lot of traditional mythology woven into the stories, and yet it's a very unique story that Lim has completely created in a really vibrant fantasy world that she depicts for the reader. And so Shiori is just a great character. In the first book, a lot of the book, she's under this curse and nobody, she can't tell anyone and there's a lot of things going on. 
book two opens in the dragon realm. So for people who are big fantasy readers, I just think that there is a lot of world building that happens in book one. But then in book two, you get to see, you know, whole other parts that really weren't present in book one. And so that is the opening segment. And it's just really beautifully told. I love the way that Lim shows Shiori as courageous, but also stubborn and sometimes difficult. She has six brothers, and all of them love her, and she loves them, but she also has kind of that overbearing (laughs) experience where they're always trying to protect her, and she's getting worn down by that. There's just a lot of great secondary characters in this that I think really add to the story. And so again, that one is Elizabeth Lim's The Dragon's Promise, and it is book two in the Six Crimson Cranes series. And I'm I'm still in the middle, but I recommend it so far. I think that this series is great, and I want to read more by her for sure. That is still on my list. I remember the first time you talked about it, and it's on my list. But you know, my list is long. I will say, Trick, are you doing the ebook? Yes. Or audio. So a trick for the ebook, and I have found out that this is totally legit with libraries. If you just turn your Kindle on airplane mode, you can prevent it from being pulled back and then you can finish it. That does not prevent other users from being able to check it out. So your hold, yeah. Because that's why I never did it, because I felt like it wasn't fair to the people Same. who were waiting. Yes. But it actually does not affect them because officially your hold has ended. It just still is downloaded on your Kindle. Oh my gosh, Jen. I actually remember you giving that tip before and I have done it when I had needed like one more day. But in this situation, I needed more than one more day, <laughs> <laughs> probably like one to two more weeks. And so then I was like, oh, I feel guilty to do that right. because exactly. Yeah. I thought it w- I thought it would prevent somebody from getting that digital copy. So that makes me feel so much better. So I will totally do that next time because I did learn that trick from you. I have used it before, but like I said, it's always when I'm like, you know, if I'm at 90%, I don't feel bad because I know that I'm going to get it back pretty quickly. But this one I needed quite a bit more time. (laughs) I learned that from the Book Riot podcast that they had that confirmed with someone who works for a library that it does not affect the next reader. So yeah, I love that. That does make me feel better. And I will use it next time because it did (laughs) cross my mind. But again, I mean, I was like, well, I need like two more weeks and how crappy of me as a library patron to just to just hold it in, interminably <laughs> yes so that I could finish but I but also I mean readers know I mean it was like then I lost a lot of momentum yeah because it took I don't know how many weeks I mean I probably started in you know I don't know a couple of months in between maybe maybe it wasn't that long but there were several weeks in between before I circled back around to being at the top of the list again so so yeah I will do that next time what about you Jen what are you reading so I also chose a sequel, which I did not mean to do, but mine is less sequely. So I am reading Sonali Dove's Recipe for Persuasion, which is book two in her Raja's series and is the follow-up to Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors. We actually did that as a book club pick. Oh my goodness. It's been Mm. a while. Mm -hmm. But this one, I really wanted to read, but I had never read Jane Austen's Persuasion. And this is a retelling of Persuasion. And since I did my read Austin 22 buddy read last year, uh, I read Persuasion. So this is part of my read Austin 23 challenge, and I am loving it so far. So this one focuses on Ashna, who is part of the Rajay family, but it, she's a cousin. So she's not one of the siblings that the first book focuses on. And she is a chef who is desperate to hold on to 
the restaurant that her father left her after he committed suicide. And that has been, I think it's been like 10 or 15 years. The restaurant is not doing well and she is just desperate to hold on to it, but can't get momentum. She has a lot of anxiety around changing anything about the restaurant or about the menu. She can only make herself create dishes that her father also created. And so she has all of this anxiety wrapped up in her grief about her loss of her father. So she is pulled into very reluctantly entering this reality show competition for the Food Network, where real chefs are paired up with celebrities to create dishes. And then it's an elimination kind of reality show. And the person that Ashna is paired up with is her ex-boyfriend, who no one actually knew that she had this boyfriend in high school. They dated for a long time, but Ashna was hiding a lot of things from her family. And he is now a soccer star who is retiring. His name is Rico Silva. And he goes through some manipulations. He has a lot of resentment about the way their relationship ended. And so he decides that the best way to deal with that and to move past it is to confront her and surprise her as her celebrity partner, which seems very (laughs) ill-advised, I will say. But anyway, so this is one of those books. It does alternate perspectives. So we get both of their points of view and both of them have some misunderstandings about the way their relationship ended. Both of them are at times of great transition and both of them are dealing, I will say, with a lot. So I'm loving it so far. I actually just reached the midway stopping point for my buddy Reed and I very much want to continue, but I'm forcing myself because we're not talking about part two for another two weeks. And yeah, so that's, that's really tough, but I'm really loving it. I think Dev has a great touch for character. I really like the way she brings Austin's work into the modern day and also applies it to the Rajay's Indian American culture. I think that's really, really brilliantly done. And I love the way she's taking her source material and just just repurposing it so we see it in a different way. So that is Sonali Dev's Recipe for Persuasion. Oh, Jen, that sounds so good. I haven't read Persuasion either. And so I hadn't picked that one up. But I think I loved Pride, Prejudice and other flavors that we read. And so I would love to read more of her series. I will say I don't think I mean, I like the little, you know, those little moments when you recognize a parallel, but it's really not all that important that you've read her first book. Or that you've read Persuasion, her source material. This one stands on its own really well. And it really, those of you who haven't read Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, again, there would be little things you'd miss. But it's like any romance series that you could read it without having read the first book. I will say this one does have some dark moments. So this is definitely not a rom-com. This is a romance with some dark triggering material. So if you're a sensitive reader, it's worth Googling some trigger warnings. But yeah, it's great so far. Well, we are going to move on to our main discussion. Again, today's topic is books. We can't stop reading. Ashley, what's one that's kept you up late at night? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe not. So I try to resist those these days, but. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Man, this one really grabbed me. So I wanted to share. I This is Rebecca Mackay's I Have Some Questions For You. 
And this one, from what I've seen on Bookstagram, is a pretty polarizing yeah. read, would you say, Jen? I would say. And I think, yeah, I loved it too. So I thought it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. But I had, I was curious. I had a little bit of trepidation because I loved The Great Believers so much. I felt like I learned a lot about a community and a time that I just did not know in the detail that she explores it in the book. And I also just absolutely, I loved the characters and the nuance. And, you know, it it was a a favorite read for me of the year and one that has stayed with me. So I did have some trepidation, particularly because I'd seen people criticize. I knew that it was a different genre than The Great Believers. And so I was like, oh, I don't know what to expect. But I was totally captivated. What I will say is it is about Bodie Kane is the protagonist and it occurs she is in her 40s and she's going back to Granby which is a boarding school where she attended in high school and she's going back to teach a class there and you can tell up front that she has a lot of she she both has a lot of personal trauma that has profoundly impacted her and that a lot of that had occurred prior to her arriving at the boarding school. So her early childhood was very difficult. But then she also has a lot of baggage toward the school itself and is working her way through that. So there's that timeline that's happening in the present and she is coming and she's going to do this podcasting course with students there and has been invited to do that. And then it also, the other timeline that's happening is when she was in high school, Makai is working her way through what happened when Bodie Kane was there. And the central focus of the story is that Thalia Keith was a student there who was murdered. And you know that in the beginning. I think part of what I really liked is the unfurling of what happened and how it was handled. And they did accuse someone, and that person went to prison. And yet, as as Bodie is coming back to the campus, she's realizing that she herself, and I should say Thalia was not her friend, but she was her roommate for part of her time there. So although she was not a, you know, personal friend of hers, Bodie is coming to realize that everything that happened did really impact her in a way that maybe she had dismissed as a teenager because she was like, she wasn't my close friend. You know, of course, what happened was sad, but she felt kind of removed. But then she's realized that she has all this kind of lingering unease about everything that happened and how it was handled and mishandled. I mean, there's a lot of exploration throughout. You can tell that the investigation was horribly mishandled in a lot of ways. And so that is all kind of taking place there. And I mean, what I thought was so captivating is, and I did think that this was similar to Mackay's other book, even though they're very different, is the level of nuance of exploring what's true about people and what is true in certain situations and how complicated all those things are. So there is this secondary plot line that comes up that I won't say a lot about, but I do think is relevant when you're looking at the work as a whole. And it is about her own husband from whom she separated. And he is getting caught up in the Me Too movement that is going on in present day. 
and they're trying to destroy him and his career. You know, there's a particular woman who is trying to destroy him in his career who feels completely justified in her actions. And then it's Bodhi dealing with that. So, you know, they are separated in at the time that the present day is occurring. She and her husband are already separated. And yet she still feels, you know, some protectiveness toward him and this desire to kind of separate what happened to Thalia and the violence and, and her the experiences that Bodhi herself had as a younger person and trying to separate those traumas from what she depicts as being this kind of social media storm and how those things are alike and different. And I just thought all of that was fast. I thought that was fascinating. But I also felt like similarly to what we talked about, the focus is not on Omar, the person who is imprisoned. That's not the central focus of the story, but I felt like so much of what we talked about with James Baldwin and If Beale Street Could Talk is reflected in this as well of just the hurry to find someone to blame, the way that they can tell a story in order to go ahead and blame someone, and then that urgency to arrest someone when something horrible has happened and then put that person away, kind Mm -hmm. of to check off those boxes and to make people feel like something's been done and justice has been done and how even if the desire is good, like to want to help the family and want to help people, then we see all this kind of dark underbelly of what it really looks like when you're doing that and when those kinds of atrocities have happened. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. So that is a brief look at it. Um, But I just thought, yes, absolutely. If you're on the fence, because this one is polarizing, read it for yourself and see what you think. Because I personally was completely I mean, I could not stop reading. Well, I listened, I should say I did listen and Julia Whalen is does the audio. And so that was also so I both love Mackay as an author and also love Whalen as a narrator. But yeah, I mean, I was swept up in it. And I loved how you had the two timelines and you're working your way through both of those concurrently. And I just I, I mean, I thought it was great. So that's Rebecca Mackay. And it is I have some questions for you. Yeah, Ashley, I agree 100%. And I've read some of the kind of meh reviews of of the book. And I think a lot of them center on... So it is historical because we are looking at something... You know, that one timeline is historical. And I feel like Makai is highlighting some of the injustices. And people are reading it as if that's happening today. Anyway, I feel like the problems that people are noting, and they're legitimate, but I think they're because it's historical. And I think she's going back and trying to give that retrospective look. I loved it, though. Yeah, I I agree that it was quite nuanced. And I think that doubling of the timelines allows her to highlight the differences in the way we think about things and talk about things now, but also in the way that so many things haven't changed, even though we may look at them differently what we actually do about those things maybe hasn't changed. So yeah, I thought I loved it as well. I still I've got to go to her backlist because yeah, having loved I these two too. most recent books, I really want to go back and see kind of how she started. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't think to say but one other thing that stood out to me was the perspective. So a lot of the books she is directing to a person, an audience and using just like in the title using you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very effective and pretty unique. And so that was another thing that was absolutely striking to me was just the way that she is talking to a person 
who was present for the night, you know, for the time in the 90s when she was in school. And I just all of that unpacking. Oh, and also, yeah, I mean, I could talk about this a long time. Uh-huh. I'll move on. But I did want to just say, I think the way that we see as adults, what we believed mm-hmm. as kids, I, I thought all yes. of that was just phenomenal. Like who is to blame? Why are they to blame? Assumptions that are being made about the people, the teens that you are with. I mean, all of that yeah. I just thought was so complicated. Absolutely. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And like, like it, it was propulsive and I absolutely wanted to know what was happening, but also very thought provoking. And I have found that, uh, you know, I haven't hit that combo with the thriller type of book very often. And I think that's what works so well for yeah. me personally. I agree. What What about you? I could keep talking about that one. I, uh, I feel <laughs> I like I have a lot to say. Anyway, we're gonna move along. Uh, what about you, Jen? What's your recommendation? So mine is Angie Thomas's Nick Blake and the Remarkables, the Manifestor Prophecy. And oh my goodness, this is Angie Thomas's middle grade debut. And it is her first fantasy novel. And so I went in with both excitement and a little uh, trepidation is a good word because you just never know, but I should have had confidence in Angie Thomas. I could not have loved this book more. I, li- I listened to this one thanks to Libro FM and I feel like I had a weekend where I did not want to do anything that did not allow me to listen to this audiobook. <laughs> so yeah, I may have. That's always a good sign, right? <laughs> yes. Done like extra chores because I, did, I didn't want to stop reading or stop listening. But yeah, this one is so charming. It focuses on Nick Blake as the title implies, and she is turning 12. And so Nick lives with her dad and they are remarkables, which means they have a sort of In the book, they differentiate between these remarkable abilities and magic. But I will say it is similar to magic. It's just in the way that they use them. But they have these abilities that allow them to do things that other people cannot do. Now, Nick is not entirely sure what hers are going to be. But because they are remarkables, they can also see sides of the world that others cannot see. So, for example, for her 12th birthday, she gets a hellhound. And unremarkables just see it as a dog. And so there are all of these little clever moments as Thomas is building the world where she has these great explanations for what remarkables see versus what unremarkables see. So Nick and her dad move around quite a bit. Her dad has a job that explains their reason for moving around, but it has been... I will just say extreme moving, but right now they're living in Jackson, Mississippi and Nick, Nick has this best friend named JP who is an unremarkable, but she just loves him. So he is this kind of outsider kid who Nick bonded with right away because she often feels like an outsider because of how often she and her dad move. They are very enthusiastic fans of a book series written by a man named TJ Retro. And it is a series centered on a magical kid who has two best friends. And it's about their adventures. And she and JP have a wiki that they update about each book. So the new book has just come out and they have big plans to go see TJ Retro at their local bookstore 
and they are so, so excited. They've been planning this ever since they found out he was going to be there. I will say all of this happens very quickly in the book. It moves. And there are some things I'm not going to be able to explain because they are big spoilers, even though I deeply want to talk about them. But anyway, so they've set up this trip to the bookstore to meet their favorite author to talk about their favorite book. Well, Nick and her dad interact a lot with outsiders in the remarkable community because of all of their moving. And so they go to this store where they hang out and Nick has this moment where she touches the hand of a woman who can make prophecies and something strange happens. I don't want to describe it too much, but the thing that happens really worries her dad. And he says, you cannot go to this bookstore and meet TJ Retro. Well, Nick is a feisty young woman. And I will just say she does go to the bookstore. And that, that's the only spoiler I'm going to give. <laughs> but yeah, and that is that really sets off this whole series of revelations that changed the book. All right, so that's all I'm going to say about the plot. But I will just say what I love so much about this is Nick herself she is an amazing protagonist. I'm so glad that this is the first in a planned series. I can see this going on for a long time because Nick is one of those characters who is constantly learning about herself and trying to figure out the right thing to do. She makes mistakes like every 12 year old, but she is fiercely loyal to the people that she loves. And her relationship with JP is so sweet they are such great friends. The way that they support each other, even though they are quite, quite different, is just lovely. It also does a great job. So one of the really clever things that Thomas does is she brings this history of the Remarkables into Black history in the United States. And so you see the remarkable perspective on these different events in Black history and the ways that they have intervened or the times that they have chosen not to is, is a big conversation through the book. And my guess is that's going to become a bigger part of the book moving or of the series moving forward. But it'll bring things like Harriet Tubman in and how she how maybe she plays into the remarkable community. It goes back and gives this alternate look at history, but that also allows Thomas to discuss his elements of history to talk about how Nick's dad, who does homeschool Nick is trying to educate her about all of these things and helping her to see what injustices have been done, what maybe should have been done, how Nick herself and other remarkables could help. Anyway, that is so smart and it is such great world building as an adult, obviously, I love this. And I was familiar with a lot of that. But I think for middle schoolers, this would be fantastic. Because I think kids would be intrigued by these figures enough to go learn more about them. It's just such a smart book. The Remarkable System is fascinating. That differentiation between what magic is and what it means to be remarkable is really interesting, because it's asking about the ways that people use power. And there are a group of people who use magic later in the book that also ties into history and to current civil rights issues. Yeah, I, it is, I could go on and on because it is such a richly woven book. And you can see it, it both has a satisfying ending and you can see how Thomas is setting up future books. So I just absolutely loved it. This is, again, Angie Thomas's Nick Blake and the Remarkables, which is great for all ages, middle grade through, I, I think even upper elementary kids would really enjoy it. All the way through adults would love it. So yeah. Man, I cannot wait to read that, Jen. Oh my gosh, you are going to love it so much. Oh, and I should shout out, let me look up the narrator really fast. 
The narrator is Jonice Abbott Pratt. And I don't think I've heard anything from her before, but she is one of those. I would absolutely seek out books that she's read because the way she brought the different characters to life was really stunning. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I should have said that I listened to Mackay's book from Libro FM also. Mm. And listeners, you all probably know, but we do both participate in the ALC program, which we absolutely love. It is getting better every day. So if you aren't doing that and you are interested in learning more, feel free to message us because we'd be happy to shoot you the link and help you get started. But again, it's just Libro FM and their ALC program. And it is phenomenal. The books they choose are amazing. Both of us have discovered both authors and narrators that we have not encountered before through them. And yeah, it's been great. Yeah, well, and you're still supporting independent bookstores. So every time you get one of those ALC books, you do give a bump to the bookstore you've chosen to support, which is I always feel kind of virtuous then. <laughs> yes, yes, I love that too. That I think that Libro FM is doing such a great job, both with supporting and uplifting so many different voices in the book world as far as authors, but then also in, in making huge strides to support independent bookstores. So yeah. All right. Well, we are going to close out our episode with our flashback segment. So today we're talking about things that were going on two years ago in June. So June 2021. Ashley, what do you want to talk about today? Ooh. Well, for us, that was a big time in our life. That is, we left to go to Morocco in mid-May of, I think actually it was May 13th, that we flew to Agadir in Morocco in 2021. And so June was actually when I started my current career. So that was a big event. So two years ago now was when I switched over to doing full-time podcast production and editing and stuff like that as my work. So that was a big deal. And then that also was the first time that in any real way I had visited Morocco and certainly the first time that our kids had gone. So, and we had a great experience. So what about you, Jen? What were you all doing June, 2021? Wait, I was looking back at my Google photos and we had a lot going on. I'm just going to say it was a year of transition. So my niece graduated from high school. So that's my boy's oldest cousin, And then my boys graduated from middle and elementary school. So we had all of these, yeah, transition moments as they were all moving on to another stage. And I just, this one made me happy. So this popped up in my Google photos that that was our buddy read for Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet. And I saw that pop up and I love that book so much. So if you have not read Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet, that is a fantastic book. I absolutely loved it. It's a YA novel. It was great on audio and in print. So that brought, it was one of those that sometimes you see those book covers and you just have this little like, oh, I love that one moment. Yes, I did love that one too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we will post on Instagram about our flashback segment. So you can mine your Google photos to figure out what was going on for you two years ago in June. Sometimes that's fun to look back. And yeah, we'd love to know. You can respond over at Unabridged Pod. And we would also love to know what books you can't stop reading. We're always looking to add to our own endless TBRs. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.